Amen. All right. On Sunday evenings, we've been going through the uh, End Times Bible Prophecy series, and we're going to continue that tonight. Uh, we've kind of been keeping a pattern where we're studying the beast, the Antichrist, the kingdoms, you know, uh, how these kingdoms are going to work. You know, the, where we left off last was, now basically, we, we had start putting the pieces of the puzzle together. And uh, that's what I really, I want to take kind of a parenthetic week. This is probably going to be a little bit shorter of a sermon because I want to use this as an exercise. Uh, the very last thing that I did in the last sermon on Sunday evening of this topic was at the very end of that sermon, I started demonstrating why these misinterpretations of the beast are so you know, crucial. Why it's, 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 very, it's very important, it's vital to understand the timing of when these beasts work and because it paints this whole picture of the beasts coming together, the new world order and all of that. And when you actually you know, go in to study some scripture you know, that is kind of giving you the practical application of what's going to be taking place in the end times, and you're already all screwed up on when these beasts are alive and all of that, and, and you try to go and, 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 and put these events together, you're going to be extremely confused. It's not going to make any sense to you. So what I'm going to do this evening is I want to just kind of, uh, I want to kind of go through uh, an event that takes place in the end times, and I want to show you why it's so important to have all of the, the different imagery uh, interpreted properly when these kingdoms exist. You know, obviously they're contemporaneous to one another. They're all on the earth at the same exact time. And uh, we need to understand all of these things and put the whole picture together. Now, I want to begin with something. I've been reviewing a lot, a lot. And I've also been, these sermons have been a little bit shorter in general anyways because this is a deep subject. So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm giving it to you as I feel that it's, it's more, it's easier to digest. And I've also, because of that, been reviewing a lot of different things. The first thing that I want to look at, we've looked at this before, but this is especially, especially relevant to us tonight, is the distinction between the whore and the beast. Let's look at this one more time. Look at Revelation chapter number 17, verse number 1. It says, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Verse number 3. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, and then it says, having seven heads and ten horns. So right here in the very beginning, the introduction of this chapter of Revelation 17 it's speaking about the great whore and it's speaking about the beast. I want you to notice that there's a distinction drawn. And God chose to have two different images or two different symbols to represent each one of these things. They're not the same thing. One is the beast with the seven heads and the other is the whore. I want you to notice too, if you look at verse number two, speaking about the whore, it says, with whom, the whore that is, the kings of the earth have committed fornication. So notice that there's even, there's even an action that's taking place between the great whore and the beast. So notice that with her, the beast, so that's the kings, obviously, of the earth. They are the part of the beast. They are the horns that are upon the beast's head. They're committing fornication with the whore. She is the one that is causing them to be, become drunk with you know, uh, the wine of her fornication, the fornication of her wrath. So notice right there that that's important to, to draw this distinction between the two. That she's enticing them or she is seducing them. It's not the same thing. Obviously, it's not speaking about her seducing herself. So there is a difference between 
these two things. Look at Revelation 17, 18, the very last verse. It tells you who the whore is and what the whore is. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. The woman is that great city. And we know that that is Jerusalem. That is who, the identity specifically of this great whore. But it's a city. It is a city. Now if we look up at... I want you to look at verse number 8. It says, The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not, and yet is. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. We're in verse number 9. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And there are seven kings. So notice, these, the seven heads of this beast... They represent seven different kings. And obviously, you know, by so doing, they represent seven different kingdoms. So the beast, it's these seven kingdoms, if you will, or there are seven kings upon it, and there are different kingdoms within it, if we were to be exact about that. It's not exactly seven. Remember, it's four to be exact. But there are seven kings. There's a distinction, is the point that I'm making right now, is that there is a distinction between the kingdoms and the kings, and then the whore. So the kingdom and the kings is, you know, is separate or distinct than the whore. It's separate than the city. Now that is so important for a couple of reasons. And uh, the one that I'm going to be getting into tonight is, in the title of the sermon is this, The Beast Hates the Whore. Now I had alluded to this in last week's uh, or two weeks ago's sermon of how the beast destroys the whore. And this is where you get into a lot of trouble when people try to conflate the two. They try to make the beast, or the kingdom itself, the city, which it is not. Now you have a major problem when you go try to uh, apply this, and you try to play this out, you know, uh, uh, in reality, you have the kingdom, the beast, you know, in reality actually destroying the city is actually what takes place. But when, what they would try to do is they would try to have you know, the beast or the kingdom destroying itself, which is not what takes place. I want you to look with me at verse number 15. This is where this is actually recorded. Revelation chapter number 17, verse number 15, it says, And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. Verse 16, And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast. See, that is referring to the kings of the beast and the beast. These shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. So what we see there is we see the beast, you know, all of the kingdoms of the earth that are under the reign of the Antichrist, turning at one point on the whore, turning on this city, and burning it with fire. And as I said, the title of the sermon is The Beast Hates the Whore. That's what I want to look at tonight is the destruction of the city at the hand specifically of the beast or of the kingdoms. Now, I want you to remember a couple of things. I want to remind you of a couple of things. Now, obviously we know that the city is the whore, as I just you know, refreshed you on. The city is the whore, but I had made this point long ago when I was uh, preaching the sermon on the identity of Babylon. And one of the points that I had made was, why is the city referred to as a whore? Why is the city talked about as being a whore. If you look at Revelation chapter number 17, verse number 2, it tells you this. It says, With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So what we see here is that she is seducing. 
she's going around and she is seducing all of the different kingdoms of the earth and the kings of the earth. She's seducing them. Now I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter number 1, verse number 21. Us knowing the identity of the whore and of this city being Jerusalem, it gives, a, it gives us a heads up on why it's referring to uh, this city as being a whore. Now all throughout the Old Testament there's one city that's referred to or called a whore. One city over and over and over again, and it is the nation of Israel, or it is Jerusalem in particular. So I want you to look with me here at Isaiah chapter number 1, verse number 21, and we'll see a perfect example of this, where God calls the nation of Israel a whore. Look at Isaiah chapter number 1, verse number 21, it says this, How is the faithful city become an harlot? It was full of judgment, righteousness lodged in it, but now murderers. So notice, this is speaking about Jerusalem. This is speaking about the people of Jerusalem who were in times past God's people. They were in times past under the Old Testament covenant and they had made this covenant just as a man makes a covenant with his wife. A husband makes a covenant with his wife. They were in a covenant with God, that they were going to serve God. And they were supposed to be faithful to the Lord. They were supposed to keep His commandments and they had certain things that they were supposed to follow and do. And what we see all throughout the Old Testament is them going astray. You know what they did? Was they went after other gods. They went after idols and they served and worshipped idols is what they had did. And God likened that unto a man going out and stepping out on his wife, committing fornication or committing adultery on his wife and being unfaithful. That's why it refers to here, it says, how is the faithful city become an harlot. It's speaking about the people that were faithful to God at one point, that were God's people at one point, but now they've went astray, they've left the Lord, and they are no longer faithful unto Him as a wife would be faithful unto her husband. They are being a harlot or they are being a whore. All throughout the Old Testament, Jerusalem and those of Jerusalem of Israel are referred to as being a harlot or as being a whore. I want you to go back to Revelation chapter 17 with me one more time. Revelation chapter number 17, and we'll be flipping back and forth. It'd be wise for us to put a bulletin or a piece of paper, some sort of paper in there or something as a bookmark. Revelation chapter number 17, I want you to look with me at verse number 15. <clears throat> verse number 15, I want to read this one more time here where we see uh, uh, this, the destruction of the great whore because we're going to delve into this and I want to compare an Old Testament passage with it. Like I said, this is going to be a shorter sermon this evening. But Revelation chapter number 17, look at verse number 15. It says, And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest where the whore sitteth, that's the city, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore and shall make her, her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Now what are the horns? What We're told what the horns are in verse number 12. It says, And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet. But it says this, But receive power as kings one hour with the beast. Now I'm not going to go over the timeline right now, but we can clearly see that these these horns are ten kings that arise in power over these kingdoms. Over these separate four different kingdoms and this one, you know, it's basically one united kingdom under this one umbrella of the Antichrist reign. And these ten kings are given power. And what they do with their power, it says, is they end up turning 
on the, the uh, whore, I'm sorry, the beast. The, the, the beast ends up turning on the whore and destroying the whore, destroying the city. Now, if you look there, it, it gives you a rundown in verse number 16. It says, In the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with, with fire. Now, this is exactly the treatment of a whore in a couple of different ways. Whores are, you know, they're women that are used and abused. They're not someone you love. The you know, uh, one that would go out and would take part in harlotry, you know, a, a man that is, they don't care for that woman. Then what they do is they just get what they want out of her and then they cast her to the side. That's what the picture that is being painted right now. And then we see this in the Old Testament as well. When, and we're actually going to look at it here in just a moment when Jerusalem is referred to as a whore. The same thing happens every single time. There's also another interesting thing, and you'd have to look this up yourself. I mean, it's just kind of a side point. But one of the only times that a woman is found out and caught being a whore and there's judgment passed upon her is when? Can anybody remember it off the top of your head? It's Tamar, right? And what does Judah end up saying about Tamar? He says, burn her with fire. Isn't that interesting? You see how the Bible, this consistency that you can find. It's the only time that I can think of where a woman is actually caught in harlotry and then judgment is passed. I'm almost 99.9% positive. I'm almost 100% positive that there is no other incident in the Bible where that takes place. So, we see that consistency here, but we also see that aspect of just like she's being used and abused. Now, what takes place with the Antichrist and why, is, and why, is it, you know, uh, why does this, this imagery being painted? Why is it this imagery of just like uh, causing, er seducing everyone throughout the whole world? This is the reason why. Because at the time of the abomination of desolation, the Antichrist is already in power. He's already conquered the world. But he decides that he is going to invade Jerusalem. He goes into Jerusalem and he takes over. He hijacks the power of the city of Jerusalem. He goes in to the temple. Excuse me. He declares himself to be God. Now this has become the headquarters city for the New World Order and the kingdom or the empire that's reigning over the entire world. That's why the whore is sitting upon the beast. Do you understand? The, 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 the whore is the city sitting or mounting upon the beast. That's a sign of dominion or it's a sign of submission uh, it, with the beast, that is. The beast is submitted or, or is being dominated by the city. Why? Because that's where all the, the, the shots are being called from. That's where all of the decisions are being made from. It's the headquarters, right? That is where the leadership is planted and located and where the Antichrist is located. He is there and that's why it says that this great city reigns over all the earth. Reigning over the waters, reigning over the beast. And the beast is basically just the tool or the kingdoms that were already in place. Is this just the tool that's being used by the Antichrist while he's reigning from this city to reign over the entire world. To rule and to reign over the entire world. So we can see why this imagery is being used here with the whore. And furthermore, it's a, it is a, this new world order, it's going to be a one world government. It's going to be a one world economic or financial system that's going to be taking place. But it will also be a one world religion. All wrapped into one. A one world religion. And what's going on is from this city, that's where the temple is located. That is the headquarters of the one world religion as well. 
And from there, do you know what's being distributed out? This false religion throughout the whole world. There is a mandate that everyone must worship the Antichrist. And obviously, you know, uh, it, it talks about the, the abomination of desolation being spread abroad, right? So uh, I don't know how this is actually going to work, but we know that there's the, the image of the beast that is set up. And I'm sure that there's not going to be just one. I would assume very, you know, it, makes sen it wouldn't make sense to me that there would be just one image. There's probably going to be multiple images. And maybe, you know, different, you know, small synagogues or churches that are spread throughout all of these kingdoms where people have to go and they have to worship the image of the beast. Where is all of these orders coming from? Well, it's coming from the great whore. So notice why the great whore is the one that is, that is causing all of these different kingdoms to commit fornication. That fornication is referring to the idolatry. That fornication is, is causing all of the kingdoms of the world, all of the peoples of the world to worship this false god and to worship this false uh, 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 you know, uh, king who is the Antichrist. So that's why the whore is here uh, pictured as seducing all of the different kings of the earth. That's because the whore is where all, this one world religion is spreading out from and everything is, is, is uh, coming from. I want to look at the destruction of the, the great whore now. And this is also a, a, a very great proof that Jerusalem is Babylon. Because the prophecy right here that you read about in verse number 16, uh, it is a prophecy and it actually comes from Ezekiel chapter number 16. So we read about this in Revelation 17 verse 16. I want you to slide your bulletin in there in Revelation chapter number 17. I want you to go back with me to Ezekiel chapter number 16. And it gives us... Uh, uh, some more details about how this is going to take place. So that's in the Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter number 16. <clears throat> Ezekiel chapter number 16. And uh, I had down that I wanted to begin in verse number 22, but I want to read through the beginning portion of this as well. In uh, the very beginning of Ezekiel 16, let's begin in verse number 1. I'm just going to, without any commentary, just let's read through it. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man... Cause Jerusalem to know her, notice this, abominations. And say, thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite, and thy mother an Hittite. <clears throat> and as for thy nativity, in the day thou wast born, thy navel was not cut. Neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. None I pitied thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee. But thou wast cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person. In the day that thou wast born, and when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. I have caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field. And thou hast increased and waxen great. And thou art come to excellent ornaments. Thy breasts are fashioned and thine hair is grown. Whereas thou wast naked and bare. Now when I passed by thee and looked upon thee, behold, thy time was the time of love. And I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto thee and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God. And thou becamest mine. So he's painting this imagery almost of a husband and of a wife. And he's speaking in terms here of, of that she wasn't cared about. You know, nobody cared about her. She was nothing. But God came and God found her at this time when no one cared for her. 
and God brought her in and God was the one that caused her to bud and to fashion. He gave her all of her glory. He gave her all of her beauty. And I like that part. It's funny in verse number three. I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but it's almost like God's like calling names and like talking crap to her because the whole point when he's, he's making these statements is saying that you're a, you are a nobody or you are a nothing. And he says at the very end of verse number three, he says, thy father was an Amorite and he says, and thy mother and Hittite. So he's, he's pointing this out like, like in, in saying it about her being an Amorite and Hittite. The point is like, you were a nobody. What's the point? The Amorites and the Hittites, they had no f claim to anything, did they? They had nothing. And he's saying, you were, you were nothing and you were nobody. And then I took you and I brought you in. Look at verse number 9. Then washed I thee with water. Yea, I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee, and I anointed thee with oil. I clothed thee also with broidered work, and shod thee with badger skin, and I girded thee about with fine linen, and I covered thee with silk. Now what is that describing right there? That's the tabernacle. That's what that's describing. I want you to notice that. That's, that's very interesting and very important. Verse number 11. I decked thee also with ornaments, and I put bracelets upon thy hands and a chain on thy neck. And I put a jewel on thy forehead and earrings in thine ears and a beautiful crown upon thine head. You remember the decking of the, of the great whore? Talks about her being decked with what? Silver and gold and all of these things. Verse 13. Thus wast thou decked with gold and silver and thy raiment of fine linen and silk embroidered work. Thou didst eat fine flour and honey and oil and thou wast exceeding beautiful and thou didst prosper into a kingdom. And thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty. For it was perfect through my comeliness which I had put on th upon thee, saith the Lord God. But thou didst trust in thine own beauty and playest the harlot because of thine renown. And pourest out, look at this, thy fornications on everyone that passed by. His it was. And of thy garments thou didst take, and deckest thy high places with divers colors, and playest the harlot thereupon. The like things shall not come, neither shall it be so. Thou hast also taken thy fair jewels of my gold and of my silver, which I had given thee, and madest to thyself images of men, and didst commit whoredom with them, and tookest thy broidered garments, and coverest them, and thou hast set mine oil and mine incense before them. My meat also which I gave thee, fine flour and oil and honey, Wherewith I fed thee, thou hast even set it before them for a sweet savor, and thus it was, saith the Lord God. Moreover, thou hast taken thy sons and thy daughters, whom thou hast borne unto me, and these hast thou sacrificed unto them to be devoured. Is this of thy whoredoms a small matter, that thou hast slain my children and delivered them to cause them to pass through the fire for them? And in all thy, thine abominations and thy whoredoms, thou hast not remembered the days of thy youth, when thou wast naked and bare, and wast polluted in thy blood. And it came to pass after all thy wickedness, it says, Woe, woe unto thee, saith the Lord God. Now watch verse 24. That thou hast also built unto thee an eminent place, and hast made thee an high place in every street. Thou hast built thy high place at every head of the way, and hast made thy beauty to be abhorred, and hast opened thy feet to everyone that passed by, and multiplied thy whoredoms. 
Thou hast also committed fornication with the Egyptians thy neighbors, great of flesh, and hast increased thy whoredoms to provoke me to anger. Behold, therefore, I have stretched out my hand over thee, and have diminished thine ordinary food, and delivered thee unto the will of them, watch this, that hate thee. You notice that? So he said, I'm going to deliver you unto the will, it says, of them that hate thee. The daughters of the Philistines, which are ashamed of thy lewd way. Verse 28. Thou hast played the whore also with the Assyrians, because thou wast unsatiable. Yea, thou hast played the harlot with them, and yet couldst not be satisfied. Thou hast moreover multiplied thy fornication in the land of Canaan unto Chaldea. And yet thou wast not satisfied herewith. How weak is thine heart, saith the Lord God, seeing thou doest all these things, the work of an imperious, whorish woman, in that thou buildest thine imminent place in the head of every way, and makest thine high place in every street, and hast not been as an harlot, in that thou scornest higher, but as a wife that committeth adultery, which taketh strangers instead of her husband. They give gifts to all whores, but thou givest thy gifts, watch this, to all thy lovers, and hirest them that they may come unto thee on every side for thy whoredom. And the contrary is in thee, from, from other women in thy whoredoms, whereas none followeth thee to commit whoredoms. And in that thou givest a reward, and no reward is given unto thee, therefore thou art contrary. Now pay close attention, starting in verse number 35. Wherefore, O harlot, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Because thy filthiness was poured out, and thy nakedness discovered through thy whoredoms with thy lovers, with all the idols of thy abominations, and by the blood of, the, of thy children which thou didst give unto them. Behold, therefore, I will gather all thy lovers with whom thou hast taken pleasure, and all them that thou hast loved, with all them that thou hast hated. I will even gather them round about against thee, and will discover thy nakedness unto thee, that they may see all thy nakedness. Verse 38, And I will judge thee as women that break wedlock and shed blood are judged. And I will give thee blood and fury and jealousy. And I will also give thee into their hand, and they shall throw down thine imminent place, and shall break down thy high places. They shall strip thee also of thy clothes, and shall take thy fair jewels, and leave thee naked and bare. So that was a mouthful, of course, but what was being depicted there was we see the city of Jerusalem. We see what's being described here as the city of Jerusalem, and first to the tabernacle, it's speaking of the people of Jerusalem. And over and over and over again, you know, this is definitely not, you know, a uh, political correct language here. He's just like, wherefore thou harlot? You know, and he's just calling her a whore and a harlot over and over again because of why? Because of her abominations of worshiping of idols. He, he points it out a few different times, worshiping idols, sacrificing things unto the idols, and he's, he's, he's just referring to the fact that they had, as he says even right here in verse number 38 at the end, he said, I'm going to judge you as they judge a woman that has broken wedlock, that has broken a covenant. 
Now, what is he referring to over and over again? Her being a harlot. Her being a whore, repeatedly. The, the type of judgment that he says that he's going to bring upon the city is he says, I'm going to gather all of your lovers, all the people that you committed fornication with. And then he goes through and he names all the different kingdoms. Did you notice that? At that time, then present, he names all the kingdoms. He says, hey, I'm going to gather them all against you. And you know what they're going to do is they're going to come and they're going to destroy you. And I want you to also notice this. A few different points here. Point number two, I want you to notice that God is the one that's gathering them. God is the one that's bringing them and that ultimately this is the hand of God. And it's the will of God that they would do such. That they would go and they would destroy the city. The other thing is I want you to notice the way in which Jerusalem is destroyed. It says that she's burnt. Look at verse number 39. They shall strip thee also of thy clothes. So she's made naked, like desolate. They take her, 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 her fair jewels, right? It says they leave her naked and bare. If you look at verse number 40... It goes on a little bit further. They shall also bring up company against thee, and they shall stone thee with stones, and thrust thee through with, sword, with their swords. Verse 41, and they shall burn thine houses with fire. So she's made desolate, she's burned, you know, and she is, uh, she's made naked. I want you to flip back to Revelation chapter number 17. I want to show you how consistent this is. We have the whore in Revelation 17, which is a city. She is committing fornication through idolatry because we know that this is where the, the, the abomination of desolation is set up. This is where the idol or the image of the beast is set up. We know that because of this, it's causing all the kingdoms of the world to worship this idol. So you know what they're doing is they're committing fornication through Jerusalem, through this city that the Antichrist is using just like how you know, uh, someone would use a harlot. He just comes in and takes advantage of it and uses it in what way that he can. He, so it's the, the whore, the city here. We see that they, there is the idol that is set up, the fornication. But not only that, we see that the fornication is being committed with all of her lovers, all of the different kingdoms. Also, I want you to look at verse number 16. It says this, and the ten horns. Now, who are the ten horns? And even here, it was the kings. Look over at Revelation 17, verse number 2 with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. So, the horns are the kings. Who was the woman committing fornication with? The kings. So what would you refer to that as? What did Ezekiel 16 refer to those people as? Lovers. As her lovers. It says, In the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore. What did it say the lovers were going to do? It said that the lovers were going to hate Jerusalem, didn't it? said they were going to hate Jerusalem. Even, he said, I'm going to bring those that hate you and those that don't hate you. And then it says, further it says, these shall hate the whore. It says, watch this, and shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. What was the punishment that was given unto Jerusalem is prophesied upon Jerusalem in the Old Testament when, the, when Jerusalem was said to be a whore. I'll read it to you one more time. He says, They shall strip thee also of thy clothes, and shall take thy fair jewels, and leave thee naked and bare. Verse 41 tells us, And they shall burn thine houses with fire. Do you know what God prophesied was going to happen to the whore Jerusalem in the Old Testament? They were going to make you naked, desolate, and bare. How? God was going to gather all those that they were committing fornication, all of the lovers, all of the kingdoms they were committing fornication, idolatry with, and they were going to be the ones that turned on her and hated her and destroyed her. There is a strong, strong consistency here of this prophecy obviously being fulfilled here. Now, that is a, a, super, a couple of super important points. And I want you to go to Revelation 17 uh, again and look at verse number 17 with me. 
I want you to notice that even still here it's the same, that God is the one that is bringing those that were committing fornication with the whore against the whore. God, this is God's will that this is happening. So it tells you in verse 16 that all of the destruction, and then it says, For, saying, Because God hath put in their hearts to fulfill His will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. Now notice when they do that, what's happening? God's will is being fulfilled. In the Old Testament, in Ezekiel 16, when the lovers came to destroy the city, whose will was it that that would take place? It was God's will. God was the one, he said, I will bring all of the kingdoms, he said, against thee. So we can see that when this takes place, in Revelation chapter number 17, this is the Lord's will. Now I want to end with a very interesting point here. I want you to go with me to Hosea chapter number 13 and see why this is, why this is so important that you, you're able to put all of this together. Now if you don't realize that, that the whore is a city, because if we stop and we kind of just lay everything out, all of the different symbolism and how we interpret it, we, we see how it unfolds and, and um, how these different things actually play out in a practical sense, in a real sense. It makes perfect it makes, it makes perfect sense in our view. But when you look at all the, er the errors that other people make with the beast and the, and the whore basically being the same thing, the Roman Catholic Church and the Roman Catholic Church, both of them, it doesn't make any sense. You know, you, you, you look at how all the kingdoms of the earth, how people say all oh, these are kingdoms throughout time. But then who, who, who is gathering themselves together against the whore? So you, it starts to, when you actually have to interpret these things, you actually have to have the events played out with once you plug the characters into their proper roles. You see how important it is that you understand who is who and what they are doing and what is being interpreted as what. Now, as I said, I want you to look with me at Hosea. Hosea chapter number 13. Let me get there myself. Hosea chapter number 13. It's the first book of the Minor Prophets, Daniel, Hosea. Hosea chapter number 13, and, and without understanding all of that, you know what you would miss is there's a really good jewel, and I've preached this one other time, but there's this really, one of those really good hidden nuggets, one of those underlying things where God just puts in there, where he does it, these are the greatest little nuggets in the Bible that just shows that this is God's word, it's divine, it's just this little hidden kind of cryptic message. That you have, to, you have to learn and be able to interpret all of the, the real complex imagery and symbolism to even understand this in the first place. Once you look with me at uh, Hebrew, uh, I'm sorry, Hosea chapter number 13, we're going to start reading in verse number 1. And in this chapter, what it discusses is, again, Israel being judged. And oftentimes, Ephraim is referred to as, is, is referring to Israel. Look at Hosea chapter 13, verse number 1. It says this, When Ephraim spake trembling, he exalted himself in Israel. But when he offended in Baal, he died. And now they sin more and more. Talking about Israel. Talking about you know, the, the nation of Israel. And they have made them molten images of, of their silver and idols. According to their own understanding. All of it, the work of the craftsmen. They say of them, let men that sacrifice kiss the calves. Therefore they shall be as the morning cloud. And as the early dew that passeth away. As the... Chaff that is driven with the whirlwind, whirlwind out of the floor and as the smoke out of the chimney. The Lord's talking about punishing them. Verse 4, Yet I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt, and thou shalt know no God but me, for there is no Savior beside me. Now he's talking about punishing them specifically for what? 
for idolatry, for committing fornication as being a whore. Now, what happened the last time that they did that in Ezekiel 16 that we read about? He prophesied that when they do that, that he's going to gather all of the kingdoms against them and they're going to destroy them. Now, I want to remind you real quick. I want to ask you and refresh your memory. What were the kingdoms represented by? What were the four kingdoms? Remember those four kingdoms come together and they have the seven heads? What were the four kingdoms? Let's name them off. Number one, bear. Number two, leopard. Number three, lion. You guys, we, we missed number one. Number one is uh, the, the uh, lion, actually. We did it in the wrong order. Lion, bear, uh, leopard, right? And then the beast, the wild beast, right? Those were the four. So if we look at the, king, the, the picture, if we were, to, we were to try to envision what took place in Revelation 17, this is very interesting. I want you to pay close attention right now. If we were to try to envision in our minds the imagery that's painted, not in the literal sense, but in the symbolic sense of what was taking place, we would have this woman who is this whore, right? That's, you know, let's say that she's seated, you know, and she's just in a city or something. We can do that because it's the city that's going to be destroyed. She's there and she's seated. Then you have the ten kings, which are obviously ruling over these four kingdoms. And what is it? It's a lion, it's a bear, it's a leopard, and it's a wild beast, which is a dragon. And what you have is you have these four coming up against this woman. While this woman is seated there, you have these four, these four beasts coming up to do what? That's why it uses the picture of eating her flesh, because what do wild beasts do? What does a lion do? What do they do? They eat her flesh, right? And you, so you see them eating her flesh, you see them burning her with fire, you see them, you know, uh, t you know, making her desolate, right? So they're coming up and they're just destroying her is the point. They gather up to her. But why were and how were the lovers coming? Whose will was it? God's will. Right? It was God's will that brought them there. It was God's will that had brought the beast there to destroy the woman. Now I want you to pay close attention to this. Verse number 5. I did know thee in the wilderness in the land of great drought. Now I want to stop. I want to show you how consistent all this is. Ezekiel 16. How did it start out when it was talking about her when she was a child, when she was a baby. That he came to her when she was in the wilderness and nobody cared for you, did they? And he's saying, I cared for you and I took care of you, right? And then she turned on him. So he says, verse number 6, According to their pasture, so were they filled. They were filled and their heart was exalted. Therefore have they forgotten me. Notice that. So once they grew up and they were filled and they had much to eat, is the picture that's being painted, they were full, right? Then they turned from the Lord and they said that they forgot me. That's exactly the picture that's painted in Ezekiel 16, isn't it? Keep reading. Look at verse number 7. Therefore, I will be unto them, watch this, as a lion. You notice that? As a leopard, by the way, will I observe them. Keep reading. Look at verse number 8. I will meet them as a bear that is bereaved of her whelps. It says, and will rend the call of their heart. And there, watch this, while I devour them like a lion. Then it says this, the wild beast shall tear them. If you think that that's a coincidence, 
then you are out of your mind. It's the perfect picture that is painted there. And it's in the same exact context of Israel being destroyed after he came. She was in the wilderness. He picked her up. He you know, uh, gave her everything that she had. And then once she became full, she turned on him and forgot about him. And he said, you know what he said? He said, well, I'm going to come and I'm going to bring your lovers against you. We look at Revelation 17 and the complexity is what just shows how amazing the Bible is. You look over at Revelation 17 and it tells you when that's fulfilled. And it paints the picture of those lovers as being ten kings, or, which are ten horns upon a beast. You look at the, the image of, the, of that beast and it's all the kingdoms of the world. And it gives you, obviously, some of the, the patterns of that beast in Revelation 13. We study that in Daniel 7. And what is it? It's a lion. It's a bear. It's a leopard. And it's a wild beast. It's called a beast alone. That's what it's referred to as in Daniel 7. You literally have every single one of those four things pictured here. All of them being named and being labeled. And what does he say he's going to do? He's going to, he's going to come. What is he going to do? He says he's going to devour them. What's he saying? I'm going to come and I'm going to destroy you. When you look at Revelation 17 again, why does it say that they come against the city? It says, for God hath put it in their hearts to fulfill his will. So really, when those, you know, those nations, they may have their own will going and fighting against, their, their own will to go and fight against the city and, and desiring to go there and destroy. But they're really, in the big picture, they're fulfilling God's will to go there. They're fulfilling God's will to go and to destroy the city of what we see as Jerusalem. You know, you know, this is how Bible doctrine works. You know, when you're right about something, when you, you wouldn't be able to determine or, or come out with this unless you knew a few different things. I want you to think about this and how many people believe this. Because everyone is, you know, the majority, if I told them, hey, you know who the great whore is? It's Jerusalem. You know what they would say? You're anti-Semitic. Almost no one believes that. Almost no one believes that. But if you didn't understand and know that the great whore is Jerusalem, you wouldn't ever look at this picture to see what this is talking about. Not only that, if you didn't understand and know that those four beasts are contemporaries and all on the earth at the same time, you would not understand, you wouldn't be able to find this little nugget that's hidden in this passage of, of Hosea chapter 13 that's, that's meant to be there to build your faith, to show you like this is not a normal book. Think, think some man that could like web this together and put these hidden messages in here and, and, and just be so consistent and perfect in every way when you compare all of it with scripture. There's no man that could do that. There's no book like this. You could never find, you could put the most brilliant man in a room and they could spend the rest of their life and they would never be able to do something like this. Yeah. With the symbolism, I study this thing ad nauseum and it's just like, man, I've never read a book that, that is this difficult. When you look at the symbolism, even Brother Eric the first week was like, man, that's heavy. It is. It's super deep. It's written by God. That's why. It's not just written by man. That's why this symbolism and you start to play the symbolism out, you put it into a picture and it makes perfect sense when you have everything interpreted properly. It should build your faith. But you see how important it is to have the interpretations right or none of it makes sense. You know, he says, I'm going to be to you as a lion. I'm going to be to you as a bear. I'm going to be to you as a leopard and as a wild beast. And I'm going to come to you. And you, you, you look at that, you compare that to Scripture, and it's not just, you know, you, you read just Hosea chapter 13 without understanding that, and you're like, oh, God's just saying he's going to destroy him. There's a much deeper message in there. But what I wanted to do tonight was I wanted to kind of, you know, obviously there was a lot of doctrinal truth that was taught tonight. A lot of things, maybe that you've heard, things that you probably haven't heard uh, here and there, but uh, I wanted to... To, to give you an example, it is kind of an exercise where we put it together and then you see how you can find these additional truths, these additional little nuggets that are hidden in there 
when you're following that right path of truth when you're studying the Word of God. So this was the beast destroying the whore. I'd like to get into uh, very soon a couple other things that are, that are kind of you know, uh, in relation to this same subject before we move on uh, in the identity of those, those kingdoms in Revelation chapter number 17. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father God, we thank you, dear Lord, for your word. We thank you for everything that you've done, dear Lord. I ask you that you be with my wife and her uh, delivery, if it takes place tonight or when it does, and that it would be healthy, dear Lord. The baby would be healthy. I ask that you bless all the families that are here, dear God, and uh, bless all the fathers, dear Lord, and uh, be with us, dear Lord. Help us to, to, to be pleasing in your sight. Help us to understand your word. Help us to stand for your word, um, even in spite of people trying to uh, deter us or, or oppose us, dear God. Help us to stand for it, uh, even in the face of ridicule or whatever it may be. Uh, we love you so much, and be with us. Bless the rest of the night in the fellowship. And in Jesus Christ's name, amen. 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 All right, on Sunday evenings, we've been going through the uh, End Times Bible Prophecy series, and we're going to continue that tonight. Uh, we've kind of been keeping a pattern where we're studying the beast, the Antichrist, the kingdoms, you know, uh, how these kingdoms are going to work. You know, the, where we left off last was, now basically we, we had start putting the pieces of the puzzle together. And uh, that's what I really, I want to take kind of a parenthetic week. This is probably going to be a little bit shorter of a sermon because I want to use this as an exercise. Uh, the very last thing that I did in the last sermon on Sunday evening of this topic was at the very end of that sermon, I started demonstrating why these misinterpretations of the beast are so you know, crucial. Why it's, 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 very, it's very important, it's vital to understand the timing of when these beasts work. And because it paints this whole picture of the beast coming together, the new world order, and all of that. And when you actually you know, go in to study some scripture you know, that is kind of giving you the practical application of what's going to be taking place in the end times, and you're already all screwed up on when these beasts are alive and all of that, and, and you try to go and, 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 and put these events together, you're going to be extremely confused. It's not going to make any sense to you. So what I'm going to do this evening is I want to just kind of, uh, I want to kind of go through uh, an event that takes place in the end times, and I want to show you why it's so important to have all of the, the different imagery uh, interpreted properly when these kingdoms exist, you know, obviously they're contemporaneous to one another. They're all on the earth at the same exact time. And uh, we need to understand all of these things and put the whole picture together. Now, I want to begin with something. I've been reviewing a lot, a lot. And I've also been, these sermons have been a little bit shorter in general anyways because this is a deep subject. So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm giving it to you as I feel that it's, it's more, it's easier to digest. And I've also, because of that, been reviewing a lot of different things. The first thing that I want to look at, and we've looked at this before, but this is especially, especially relevant to us tonight, is the distinction between the whore and the beast. Let's look at this one more time. Look at Revelation chapter number 17, verse number 1. It says, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Verse number 3. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, and then it says, having seven heads and ten horns. So right here in the very beginning, the introduction of this chapter of Revelation 17 it's speaking about the great whore and it's speaking about the beast. 
I want you to notice that there's a distinction drawn. And God chose to have two different images or two different symbols to represent each one of these things. They're not the same thing. One is the beast with the seven heads and the other is the whore. I want you to notice too, if you look at verse number two, speaking about the whore, it says, with whom, the whore that is, the kings of the earth have committed fornication. So notice that there's even, there's even an action that's taking place between the great whore and the beast. So notice that with her, the beast, that's the kings, obviously, of the earth. They are the part of the beast. They are the horns that are upon the beast's head. They're committing fornication with the whore. She is the one that is causing them to be, become drunk with you know, uh, the wine of her fornication, the fornication of her wrath. So notice right there that that's important to, to draw this distinction between the two. That she's enticing them or she is seducing them. It's not the same thing. Obviously, it's not speaking about her seducing herself. So there is a difference between these two things. Look at Revelation 17, 18, the very last verse. It tells you who the whore is and what the whore is. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. The woman is that great city. And we know that that is Jerusalem. That is who, the identity specifically of this great whore. But it's a city. It is a city. Now if we look up at, I want you to look at verse number 8. It says, The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. We're in verse number 9. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And there are seven kings. So notice these, the seven heads of this beast, they represent seven different kings. And obviously, you know, by so doing, they represent seven different kingdoms. So the beast, it's these seven kingdoms, if you will. Or there are seven kings upon it and there are different kingdoms within it, if we were to be exact about that. It's not exactly seven. Remember, it's four to be exact. But there are seven kings. There's a distinction. Is The point that I'm making right now is that there is a distinction between the kingdoms and the kings and then the whore. So the kingdom and the kings is, you know, is separate or distinct than the whore. It's separate than the city. Now that is so important for a couple of reasons. And uh, the one that I'm going to be getting into tonight in the title of the sermon is this, The Beast Hates the Whore. Now, I had alluded to this in last week's, uh, or two weeks ago's sermon, of how the beast destroys the whore. And this is where you get into a lot of trouble when people try to conflate the two. They try to make the beast, or the kingdom itself, the city, which it is not. Now you have a major problem when you go try to uh, apply this, and you try to play this out, you know, uh, uh, in reality, you have the kingdom, the beast, you know, in reality actually destroying the city is actually what takes place. But when, what they would try to do is they would try to have, you know, the beast or the kingdom destroying itself, which is not what takes place. I want you to look with me at verse number 15. This is where this is actually recorded. Revelation chapter number 17, verse number 15, it says, And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. Verse 16, And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast. See, that is referring to the kings of the beast and the beast. These shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. So what we see there is we see the beast, you know, all the kingdoms of the earth that are under the reign of the Antichrist, turning at one point 
on the whore, turning on this city and burning it with fire. And as I said, the title of the sermon is The Beast Hates the Whore. That's what I want to look at tonight is the destruction of the city at the hands specifically of the beast or of the kingdoms. Now, I want you to remember a couple of things. I want to remind you of a couple of things. Now, obviously we know that the city is the whore, as I just you know, refreshed you on. The city is the whore, but I had made this point long ago when I was uh, preaching the sermon on the identity of Babylon. And one of the points that I had made was, why is the city referred to as a whore? Why is the city talked about as being a whore? If you look at Revelation chapter number 17, verse number 2, it tells you this. It says, With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So what we see here is that she is seducing. She's going around and she is seducing all of the different kingdoms of the earth and the kings of the earth. She's seducing them. Now I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter number 1, verse number 21. Us knowing the identity of the whore, of this city being Jerusalem, it gives us a heads up on why it's referring to this city as being a whore. Now all throughout the Old Testament there's one city that's referred to or called a whore. One city over and over and over again, and it is the nation of Israel, or it is Jerusalem in particular. So I want you to look with me here at Isaiah chapter number 1, verse number 21, and we'll see a perfect example of this, where God calls the nation of Israel a whore. Look at Isaiah chapter number 1, verse number 21, it says this, How is the faithful city become an harlot? It was full of judgment, righteousness lodged in it, but now murderers. So notice, this is speaking about Jerusalem. This is speaking about the people of Jerusalem who were in times past God's people. They were in times past under the Old Testament covenant and they had made this covenant just as a man makes a covenant with his wife. A husband makes a covenant with his wife. They were in a covenant with God that they were going to serve God. And they were supposed to be faithful to the Lord. They were supposed to keep His commandments and they had certain things that they were supposed to follow and do. And what we see all throughout the Old Testament is them going astray. You know what they did? Was they went after other gods. They went after idols and they served and worshipped idols is what they had did. And God likened that unto a man going out and stepping out on his wife, committing fornication or committing adultery on his wife and being unfaithful. That's why it refers to here, it says, how is the faithful city become an harlot. It's speaking about the people that were faithful to God at one point, that were God's people at one point, but now they've went astray, they've left the Lord, and they are no longer faithful unto Him as a wife would be faithful unto her husband. They are being a harlot or they are being a whore all throughout the Old Testament. Jerusalem and those of Jerusalem of Israel are referred to as being a harlot or as being a whore. I want you to go back to Revelation chapter 17 with me one more time. Revelation chapter number 17, and we'll be flipping back and forth. It'd be wise for us to put a bullet in or a piece of paper, some sort of paper in there or something as a bookmark. Revelation chapter number 17, I want you to look with me at verse number 15. <clears throat> verse number 15, I want to read this one more time here where we see uh, uh, this, the destruction of the great whore because we're going to delve into this and I want to compare an Old Testament passage with it. Like I said, this is going to be a shorter sermon this evening. But Revelation chapter number 17, look at verse number 15. It says, And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest where the whore sitteth, that's the city 
are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her, her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Now what are the horns? What We're told what the horns are in verse number 12. It says, And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet. But it says this, But receive power as kings one hour with the beast. Now I'm not going to go over the timeline right now, but we can clearly see that these, these horns are ten kings that arise in power over these kingdoms. Over these separate four different kingdoms and this one, you know, it's basically one united kingdom under this one umbrella of the Antichrist reign. And these ten kings are given power. And what they do with their power, it says, is they end up turning on the, the uh, whore, I'm sorry, the beast. The, the, the beast ends up turning on the whore and destroying the whore, destroying the city. Now, if you look there, it, it gives you a rundown in verse number 16. It says, And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with, with fire. Now, this is exactly the treatment of a whore in a couple of different ways. Whores are, you know, they're women that are used and abused. They're not someone you love. The uh, uh, one that would go out and would take part in harlotry, you know, a, a man that is, they don't care for that woman. That what they do is they just get what they want out of her and then they cast her to the side. That's what the picture that is being painted right now. And then we see this in the Old Testament as well. When, and we're actually going to look at it here in just a moment when Jerusalem is referred to as a whore. The same thing happens every single time. There's also another interesting thing, and you have to look this up yourself. I mean, it's just kind of a side point. But one of the only times that a woman is found out and caught being a whore and there's judgment passed upon her is when? Can anybody remember it off the top of your head? It's Tamar, right? And what does Judah end up saying about Tamar? He says, burn her with fire. Isn't that interesting? You see how the Bible, this consistency that you can find. It's the only time that I can think of where a woman is actually caught in harlotry and then judgment is passed. I'm almost 99.9% positive. I'm almost 100% positive that there is no other incident in the Bible where that takes place. So, we see that consistency here, but we also see that aspect of just like she's being used and abused. Now, what takes place with the Antichrist and why is, and why is it, you know, uh, why does this, this imagery being painted? Why is it this imagery of just like uh, causing, er seducing everyone throughout the whole world? This is the reason why. Because at the time of the abomination of desolation, the Antichrist is already in power. He's already conquered the world. But he decides that he is going to invade Jerusalem. He goes into Jerusalem and he takes over. He hijacks the power of the city of Jerusalem. He goes in to the temple. Excuse me. He declares himself to be God. Now this has become the headquarters city for the New World Order and the kingdom or the empire that's reigning over the entire world. That's why the whore is sitting upon the beast. Do you understand? The, 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 the whore is the city sitting or mounting upon the beast. That's a sign of dominion or it's a sign of submission uh, with the beast, that is. The beast is submitted or, or is being dominated by the city. Why? Why? Because that's where all the, the, the shots are being called from. 
That's where all of the decisions are being made from. It's the headquarters, right? That is where the leadership is planted and located and where the Antichrist is located. He is there, and that's why it says that this great city reigns over all the earth. Reigning over the waters, reigning over the beast, and the beast is basically just the tool, or the kingdoms that were already in place, is this just the tool that's being used by the Antichrist while he's reigning from this city to reign over the entire world. To rule and to reign over the entire world. So we can see why this imagery is being used here with the whore. And furthermore, it's a, it is a, this new world order, it's going to be a one world government. It's going to be a one world economic or financial system that's going to be taking place. But it will also be a one world religion. All wrapped into one. A one world religion. And what's going on is from this city, that's where the temple is located. That is the headquarters of the one world religion as well. And from there, do you know what's being distributed out? This false religion throughout the whole world. There is a mandate that everyone must worship the Antichrist. And obviously, you know, uh, it, it talks about the, the abomination of desolation being spread abroad, right? So uh, I don't know how this is actually going to work, but we know that there's the, the image of the beast that is set up. And I'm sure that there's not going to be just one. I would assume very, you know, it, makes sense, it wouldn't make sense to me that there would be just one image. There's probably going to be multiple images. And maybe, you know, different, you know, small synagogues or churches that are spread throughout all of these kingdoms where people have to go and they have to worship the image of the beast. Where is all of these orders coming from? Well, it's coming from the great whore. So notice why the great whore is the one that is, that is causing all of these different kingdoms to commit fornication. That fornication is referring to the idolatry. That fornication is, is causing all of the kingdoms of the world, all of the peoples of the world to worship this false god and to worship this false uh, 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 you know, uh, king who is the Antichrist. So that's why the whore is here uh, pictured as seducing all of the different kings of the earth. That's because the whore is where all, this one world religion is spreading out from and everything is, is, is uh, coming from. I want to look at the destruction of the, the great whore now. And this is also a, a, a very great proof that Jerusalem is Babylon. Because the prophecy right here that you read about in verse number 16, uh, it is a prophecy and it actually comes from Ezekiel chapter number 16. So we read about this in Revelation 17 verse 16. I want you to slide your bulletin in there in Revelation chapter number 17. I want you to go back with me to Ezekiel chapter number 16. It gives us... Uh, uh, some more details about how this is going to take place. So that's in the Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter number 16. <clears throat> Ezekiel chapter number 16. And uh, I had down that I wanted to begin in verse number 22, but I want to read through the beginning portion of this as well. In uh, the very beginning of Ezekiel 16, let's begin in verse number 1. I'm just going to, without any commentary, just let's read through it. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man... Cause Jerusalem to know her, notice this, abominations. And say, thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite, and thy mother an Hittite. <clears throat> and as for thy nativity in the day thou wast born, thy navel was not cut. Neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. None I pitied thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee. But thou wast cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person. 
in the day that thou wast born, and when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. I have caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field, and thou hast increased and waxen great, and thou art come to excellent ornaments. Thy breasts are fashioned, and thine hair is grown, whereas thou wast naked and bare. Now when I passed by thee and looked upon thee, behold, thy time was the time of love. And I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto thee and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God, and thou becamest mine. So he's painting this imagery almost of a husband and of a wife. And he's speaking in terms here of, of that she wasn't cared about. You know, nobody cared about her. She was nothing. But God came and God found her at this time when no one cared for her and God brought her in and God was the one that caused her to bud and to fashion. He gave her all of her glory. He gave her all of her beauty. And I like that part. It's funny in verse number three. I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but it's almost like God's like calling names and like talking crap to her because the whole point when he's, he's making these statements is saying that you're, you were a nobody or you were a nothing. And he says at the very end of verse number three, he says, Thy father was an Amorite, and he says, and thy mother an Hittite. So he's, he's pointing this out, like, like in, in saying it about her being an Amorite and a Hittite. The point is like, you were a nobody. What's the point? The Amorites and the Hittites, they had no f claim to anything, did they? They had nothing. And he's saying, you were, you were nothing and you were nobody, and then I took you and I brought you in. Look at verse number 9. Then washed I thee with water, yea, I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee, and I anointed thee with oil. I clothed thee also with broidered work, and shod thee with badger skin, and I girded thee about with fine linen, and I covered thee with silk. Now what is that describing right there? That's the tabernacle. That's what that's describing. I want you to notice that. That's, that's very interesting and very important. Verse number 11. I decked thee also with ornaments, and I put bracelets upon thy hands, and a chain on thy neck. And I put a jewel on thy forehead, and earrings in thine ears, and a beautiful crown upon thine head. You remember the decking of the, of the great whore? Talks about her being decked with what? Silver and gold and all of these things. Verse 13. Thus wast thou decked with gold and silver and thy raiment of fine linen and silk embroidered work. Thou didst eat fine flour and honey and oil and thou wast exceeding beautiful and thou didst prosper into a kingdom. And thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty. For it was perfect through my comeliness which I had put on, upon thee, saith the Lord God. But thou didst trust in thine own beauty and playest the harlot because of thine renown. And pourest out, look at this, thy fornications on everyone that passed by. His it was. And of thy garments thou didst take, and deckest thy high places with divers colors, and playest the harlot thereupon. The like things shall not come, neither shall it be so. Thou hast also taken thy fair jewels of my gold and of my silver, which I had given thee, and madest to thyself images of men, and didst commit whoredom with them, and tookest thy broidered garments, and coverest them, and thou hast set mine oil and mine incense before them. My meat also which I gave thee, fine flour and oil and honey, 
wherewith I fed thee, thou hast even set it before them for a sweet savor, and thus it was, saith the Lord God. Moreover, thou hast taken thy sons and thy daughters, whom thou hast borne unto me, and these hast thou sacrificed unto them to be devoured. Is this of thy whoredoms a small matter, that thou hast slain my children and delivered them to cause them to pass through the fire for them? And in all thy, thine abominations and thy whoredoms, thou hast not remembered the days of thy youth, when thou wast naked and bare, and wast polluted in thy blood. And it came to pass after all thy wickedness, it says, Woe, woe unto thee, saith the Lord God. Now watch verse 24. That thou hast also built unto thee an eminent place, and hast made thee an high place in every street. Thou hast built thy high place at every head of the way, and hast made thy beauty to be abhorred, and hast opened thy feet to everyone that passed by, and multiplied thy whoredoms. Thou hast also committed fornication with the Egyptians thy neighbors, great of flesh, and hast increased thy whoredoms to provoke me to anger. Behold, therefore, I have stretched out my hand over thee, and have diminished thine ordinary food, and delivered thee unto the will of them, watch this, that hate thee. You notice that? So he said, I'm going to deliver you unto the will, it says, of them that hate thee, the daughters of the Philistines, which are ashamed of thy lewd way. Verse 28, thou hast played the whore, also with the Assyrians, because thou wast unsatiable. Yea, thou hast played the harlot with them, and yet couldst not be satisfied. Thou hast moreover multiplied thy fornication in the land of Canaan unto Chaldea, and yet thou wast not satisfied herewith. How weak is thine heart, saith the Lord God, seeing thou doest all these things, the work of an imperious, whorish woman. In that thou buildest thine eminent place in the head of every way, and makest thine high place in every street, and hast not been as an harlot, in that thou scornest higher, but as a wife that committeth adultery, which taketh strangers instead of her husband. They give gifts to all whores, but thou givest thy gifts, watch this, to all thy lovers, and hirest them that they may come unto thee on every side for thy whoredom. And the contrary is in thee, from, from other women in thy whoredoms, whereas none followeth thee to commit whoredoms. And in that thou givest a reward, and no reward is given unto thee, therefore thou art contrary. Now pay close attention, starting in verse number 35. Wherefore, O harlot, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, because thy filthiness was poured out, and thy nakedness discovered through thy whoredoms with thy lovers, with all the idols of thy abominations, and by the blood of, the, of thy children which thou didst give unto them. Behold therefore, I will gather all thy lovers with whom thou hast taken pleasure, and all them that thou hast loved with all them that thou hast hated. I will even gather them round about against thee and will discover thy nakedness unto thee that they may see all thy nakedness. Verse 38, And I will judge thee as women that break wedlock and shed blood are judged. And I will give thee blood and fury and jealousy. 
And I will also give thee into their hand. And they shall throw down thine imminent place. And shall break down thy high places. They shall strip thee also of thy clothes. And shall take thy fair jewels. And leave thee naked and bare. So that was a mouthful of course. But what was being depicted there was we see the city of Jerusalem. We see what's being described here as the city of Jerusalem and first of the tabernacle. It's speaking of the people of Jerusalem. And over and over and over again, you know, this is definitely not, you know, a uh, political correct language here. He's just like, wherefore thou harlot? You know, and he's just calling her a whore and a harlot over and over again. Because of why? Because of her abominations of worshiping of idols. He, he points it out a few different times. Worshiping idols, sacrificing things unto the idols. And he's, he's, he's just referring to the fact that they had, as he says even right here in verse number 38 at the end, he said, I'm going to judge you as they judge a woman that has broken wedlock, that has broken a covenant. Now, what is he referring to over and over again? Her being a harlot, her being a whore repeatedly. The, the type of judgment that he says that he's going to bring upon the city is he says, I'm going to gather all of your lovers, all the people that you committed fornication with. And then he goes through and he names all the different kingdoms. Did you notice that? At that time, then present, he names all the kingdoms. He says, hey, I'm going to gather them all against you. And you know what they're going to do is they're going to come and they're going to destroy you. And I want you to also notice this. A few different points here. Point number two, I want you to notice that God is the one that's gathering them. God is the one that's bringing them and that ultimately this is the hand of God. And it's the will of God that they would do such. That they would go and they would destroy the city. The other thing is I want you to notice the way in which Jerusalem is destroyed. It says that she's burnt. Look at verse number 39. They shall strip thee also of thy clothes. So she's made naked, like desolate. They take her, 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 her fair jewels, right? It says they leave her naked and bare. If you look at verse number 40, it goes on a little bit further. They shall also bring up company against thee, and they shall stone thee with stones, and thrust thee through with, sword, with their swords. Verse 41. And they shall burn thine houses with fire. So she's made desolate, she's burned, you know, and she is, uh, she's made naked. I want you to flip back to Revelation chapter number 17. I want to show you how consistent this is. We have the whore in Revelation 17, which is a city. She is committing fornication through idolatry because we know that this is where the, the, the abomination of desolation is set up. This is where the idol or the image of the beast is set up. We know that because of this, it's causing all the kingdoms of the world to worship this idol. So you know what they're doing is they're committing fornication through Jerusalem, through this city that the Antichrist is using just like how you know, uh, someone would use a harlot. He just comes in and takes advantage of it and uses it in what way that he can. He, so it's the, the whore, the city here. We see that they, there is the idol that is set up, the fornication. But not only that, we see that the fornication is being committed with all of her lovers, all of the different kingdoms. Also, I want you to look at verse number 16. It says this, and the ten horns. Now, who are the ten horns? And even here, it was the kings. Look over at Revelation 17, verse number 2. With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. So, the horns are the kings. Who was the woman committing fornication with? The kings. So, what would you refer to that as? What did Ezekiel 16 refer to those people as? Lovers. As her lovers. It says, In the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore. What did it say the lovers were going to do? It said that the lovers were going to hate Jerusalem, didn't it? 
said they were going to hate Jerusalem. Even, he said, I'm going to bring those that hate you and those that don't hate you. And then it says, further it says, these shall hate the whore. It says, watch this, and shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. What was the punishment that was given unto Jerusalem is prophesied upon Jerusalem in the Old Testament when, the, when Jerusalem was said to be a whore. I'll read it to you one more time. He says, They shall strip thee also of thy clothes and shall take thy fair jewels and leave thee naked and bare. Verse 41 tells us, And they shall burn thine houses with fire. Do you know what God prophesied was going to happen to the whore Jerusalem in the Old Testament? They were going to make you naked, desolate, and bare. How? God was going to gather all those that they were committing fornication, all the lovers, all the kingdoms they were committing fornication, idolatry with, and they were going to be the ones that turned on her and hated her and destroyed her. There is a strong, strong consistency here of this prophecy obviously being fulfilled here. Now, that is a, a, super, a couple of super important points. And I want you to go to Revelation 17 uh, again and look at verse number 17 with me. I want you to notice that even still here it's the same, that God is the one that is bringing those that were committing fornication with the whore against the whore. God, this is God's will that this is happening. So it tells you in verse 16 that all of the destruction, and then it says, For, saying, Because God hath put in their hearts to fulfill His will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. Now notice when they do that, what's happening? God's will is being fulfilled. In the Old Testament, in Ezekiel 16, when the lovers came to destroy the city, whose will was it that that would take place? It was God's will. God was the one, he said, I will bring all of the kingdoms, he said, against thee. So we can see that when this takes place, in Revelation chapter number 17, this is the Lord's will. Now I want to end with a very interesting point here. I want you to go with me to Hosea chapter number 13 and see why this is... Why this is so important that you, you're able to put all of this together. Now, if you don't realize that, that the whore is a city, because if we stop and we kind of just lay everything out, all of the different symbolism and how we interpret it, we, we see how it unfolds and, and um, how these different things actually play out in a practical sense, in a real sense. It makes perfect, it makes, it makes perfect sense in our view. But when you look at all the, er the errors that other people make with the beast and the, and the whore basically being the same thing, the Roman Catholic Church and the Roman Catholic Church, both of them, it doesn't make any sense. You know, you, you, you look at how all the kingdoms of the earth, how people say all oh, these are kingdoms throughout time. But then who, who, who is gathering themselves together against the whore? So you, it starts to, when you actually have to interpret these things, you actually have to have the events played out with once you plug the characters into their proper roles. You see how important it is that you understand who is who and what they are doing and what is being interpreted as what. Now, as I said, I want you to look with me at Hosea. Hosea chapter number 13. Let me get there myself. Hosea chapter number 13. It's the first book of the Minor Prophets, Daniel, Hosea. Hosea chapter number 13, and, and without understanding all of that, you know what you would miss is there's a really good jewel, and I've preached this one other time, but there's this really, one of those really good hidden nuggets, one of those underlying things where God just puts in there, where he doesn't, these are the greatest little nuggets in the Bible that just shows that this is God's word, it's divine, it's just this little hidden kind of cryptic message. That you have, to, you have to learn and be able to interpret all of the, the real complex imagery and symbolism to even understand this in the first place. Once you look with me at uh, Hebrew, uh, I'm sorry, Hosea chapter number 13, we're going to start reading in verse number 1. 
And in this chapter, what it discusses is, again, Israel being judged. And oftentimes, Ephraim is referred to as, is, is referring to Israel. Look at Hosea chapter 13, verse number 1. It says this, When Ephraim spake trembling, he exalted himself in Israel. But when he offended in Baal, he died. And now they sin more and more. Talking about Israel. Talking about you know, the, the nation of Israel. And they have made them molten images of, of their silver and idols. According to their own understanding. All of it, the work of the craftsmen. They say of them, let men that sacrifice kiss the calves. Therefore they shall be as the morning cloud and as the early dew that passeth away as the chaff that is driven with the whirlwind, whirlwind out of the floor and as the smoke out of the chimney. The Lord's talking about punishing them. Verse 4, Yet I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt and thou shalt know no God but me for there is no Savior beside me. Now he's talking about punishing them specifically for what? For idolatry. For committing fornication as being a whore. Now, what happened the last time that they did that in Ezekiel 16 that we read about? He prophesied that when they do that, that he's going to gather all of the kingdoms against them and they're going to destroy them. Now, I want to remind you real quick. I want to ask you and refresh your memory. What were the kingdoms represented by? What were the four kingdoms? Remember those four kingdoms come together and they have the seven heads? What were the four kingdoms? Let's name them off. Number one, bear. Number two, Leopard. Number three, lion. You guys, we, we missed number one. Number one is uh, the, the uh, lion, actually. We did it in the wrong order. Lion, bear, uh, leopard, right? And then the beast, the wild beast, right? Those were the four. So if we look at the, king, the, the picture, if we were, to, we, we were to try to envision... What took place in Revelation 17? This is very interesting. I want you to pay close attention right now. If we were to try to envision in our minds the imagery that's painted, not in the literal sense, but in the symbolic sense of what was taking place, we would have this woman who is this whore, right? That's, you know, let's say that she's seated you know, and she's just in a city or something. We can do that because it's the city that's going to be destroyed. She's there and she's seated. Then you have the ten kings, which are obviously ruling over these four kingdoms. And what is it? It's a lion. It's a bear. It's a leopard. And it's a wild beast, which is a dragon. And what you have is you have these four coming up against this woman. While this woman is seated there, you have these four, these four beasts coming up to do what? That's why it uses the picture of eating her flesh. Because what do wild beasts do? What does a lion do? What do they do? They eat her flesh. Right? And you, so you see him eating her flesh, you see him burning over fire, you see him, you know, uh, t you know, making her desolate, right? So they're coming up and they're just destroying her is the point. They gather up to her, but why were and how were the lovers coming? Whose will was it? God's will, right? It was God's will that brought them there. It was God's will that had brought the beast there to destroy the woman. Now I want you to pay close attention to this. Verse number five. I did know thee in the wilderness, in the land of great drought. Now, I want to stop. I want to show you how consistent all this is. Ezekiel 16, how did it start out when it was talking about her when she was a child, when she was a baby? That he came to her when she was in the wilderness and nobody cared for you, did they? And he's saying, I cared for you and I took care of you, right? And then she turned on him. 
So he says, verse number 6, According to their pasture, so were they filled. They were filled and their heart was exalted. Therefore have they forgotten me. Notice that. So once they grew up and they were filled and they had much to eat, is the picture that's being painted, they were full, right? Then they turned from the Lord and they said that they forgot me. That's exactly the picture that's painted in Ezekiel 16, isn't it? Keep reading. Look at verse number 7. Therefore, I will be unto them, watch this, as a lion. You notice that? As a leopard, by the way, will I observe them. Keep reading. Look at verse number 8. I will meet them as a bear that is bereaved of her whelps. It says, and will rend the call of their heart. And there, watch this, will I devour them like a lion. Then it says this, the wild beast shall tear them. If you think that that's a coincidence, then you are out of your mind. It's the perfect picture that is painted there. And it's in the same exact context of Israel being destroyed after he came. She was in the wilderness. He picked her up. He you know, uh, gave her everything that she had. And then once she became full, she turned on him and forgot about him. And he said, you know what he said? He said, well, I'm going to come and I'm going to bring your lovers against you. We look at Revelation 17 and the complexity is what just shows how amazing the Bible is. You look over at Revelation 17 and it tells you when that's fulfilled. And it paints the picture of those lovers as being ten kings, or, which are ten horns upon a beast. You look at the, the image of, the, of that beast and it's all the kingdoms of the world. And it gives you, obviously, some of the, the patterns of that beast in Revelation 13. We study that in Daniel 7. And what is it? It's a lion. It's a bear. It's a leopard. And it's a wild beast. It's called a beast alone. That's what it's referred to as in Daniel 7. You literally have every single one of those four things pictured here. All of them being named and being labeled. And what does he say he's going to do? He's going to, he's going to come. What is he going to do? He says he's going to devour them. What's he saying? I'm going to come and I'm going to destroy you. When you look at Revelation 17 again, why does it say that they come against the city? It says, for God hath put it in their hearts to fulfill his will. So really, when those, you know, those nations, they may have their own will going and fighting against, their, or their own will to go and fight against the city and, and desiring to go there and destroy. But they're really, in the big picture, they're fulfilling God's will to go there. They're fulfilling God's will to go and to destroy the city of what we see as Jerusalem. You know, you know, this is how Bible doctrine works. You know, when you're right about something, when you, you, you wouldn't be able to determine or, or come out with this unless you knew a few different things. I want you to think about this and how many people believe this. Because everyone is, you know, the majority, if I told them, hey, you know who the great whore is? It's Jerusalem. You know what they would say? You're anti-Semitic. Almost no one believes that. Almost no one believes that. But if you didn't understand and know that the great whore is Jerusalem, you wouldn't ever look at this picture to see what this is talking about. Not only that, if you didn't understand and know that those four beasts are contemporaries and all on the earth at the same time, you would not understand, you wouldn't be able to find this little nugget that's hidden in this passage of, of Hosea chapter 13 that's, that's meant to be there to build your faith, to show you like this is not a normal book. Think, think some man that could like web this together and put these hidden messages in here and, and, and just be so consistent and perfect in every way when you compare all of it with scripture. There's no man that could do that. There's no book like this. You could never find, you could put the most brilliant man in a room and they could spend the rest of their life and they would never be able to do something like this. Yeah. With the symbolism, I study this thing ad nauseum 
And it's just like, man, I've never read a book that, this, that is this difficult. When you look at the symbolism, even Brother Eric the first week was like, man, that's heavy. It is. It's super deep. It's written by God. That's why. It's not just written by man. That's why this symbolism, and you start to play the symbolism out, you put it into a picture, and it makes perfect sense when you have everything interpreted properly. It should build your faith. But you see how important it is to have the interpretations right. Or none of it makes sense. You know, he says, I'm going to be to you as a lion. I'm going to be to you as a bear. I'm going to be to you as a leopard and as a wild beast. And I'm going to come to you. And you, you, you look at that, you compare that to Scripture, and it's not just, you know, you, you read just Hosea chapter 13 without understanding that, and you're like, oh, God's just saying he's going to destroy him. There's a much deeper message in there. But what I wanted to do tonight was I wanted to kind of, you know, obviously there was a lot of doctrinal truth that was taught tonight. A lot of things, maybe that you've heard, things that you probably haven't heard uh, here and there, but uh, I wanted to, to, to give you an example, it's kind of an exercise where we put it together and then you see how you can find these additional truths, these additional little nuggets that are hidden in there when you're following that right path of truth when you're studying the Word of God. So this was the beast destroying the whore. I'd like to get into uh, very soon a couple other things that are, that are kind of you know, uh, in relation to this same subject before we move on uh, in the identity of those, those kingdoms in Revelation chapter number 17. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, dear Lord, for your word. We thank you for everything that you've done, dear Lord. I ask you that you be with my wife and her uh, delivery, if it takes place tonight or when it does, and that it would be healthy, dear Lord. The baby would be healthy. I ask that you bless all the families that are here, dear God, and uh, bless all the fathers, dear Lord, and uh, be with us, dear Lord. Help us to, to, to be pleasing in your sight. Help us to understand your word. Help us to stand for your word, um, even in spite of people trying to uh, deter us or, or oppose us, dear God. Help us to stand for it, uh, even in the face of ridicule or whatever it may be. Uh, we love you so much and be with us. And bless the rest of the night in the fellowship. And in Jesus Christ's name, amen.